0: Have you started packing yet? No. Oh, okay. How long do you go? A uh,
1: couple of days. A day. A day a, a two days. A day. Maybe not two days. I, I'm no, I'm yet to locate the suitcase. I did have a quick look round the shops for anything that wasn't woollen, had bobbles on, or was thermal, and uh, yeah, no such luck. <laughs> so no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I've actually been. I've been putting the finishing touches to my childcare
0: master plan oh oh oh, of course oh you have a big document again I remember you showing me your childcare document I can't remember whether that was for Australia it must have been for Australia or maybe it was French Open one year or something it was so impressive I've never been so (laughs) organized in my life and I tell you what if anyone did anything wrong down to the tiniest detail you would have every right to go nuts at them because it is all explained and planned it was amazing but most people don't read it that's the beauty of this oh. <laughs> thing. I, uh, I
1: spend hours, it's like who's taking the boys to school, who's picking them up, what's happening, what's going on, just everything. And basically no one reads it. And so this time I've done a list of notable events. <laughs> and one of them is a pyjama party, and I, which I don't really know what it is. And on that day, my mum is in charge of the boys, of the twins. Right. So she looked at it, she said, what's this? I saw it's pyjama party. Uh, they've got to take their pyjamas to school. And <laughs> She was like, why? I said, because it's pyjama party. So they're going to school in pyjamas. No, they've got to take the pyjamas to school. So they're having their lessons in their pyjamas. No, they've just got to take their pyjamas to school. <laughs> and honestly, we went round and round and round. So I'm not sure what's going to happen on the day. I didn't. I mean, what's a pyjama party? I mean, I'm not sure. I didn't know these things
0: happened, especially not at school. But they have a pyjama party. I've never done it. Pyjama party. So so then what do they do with the pyjamas when they get there? They obviously put them on for a period of time. And what, have a party? Uh, well, I guess <laughs> Great. <laughs> One excuse to have a party. They'll be asking you to bring pyjamas to school every day. No, but if we bring pyjamas, we have a party. But it's not in the school
1: day. Because I think people are saying, hey, hang on a second. Uh, so when school finishes, those children that want to and are staying for it, then I think they put on their pyjamas and have
0: some form of pyjama party. Are you not now concerned that every time they put on their pyjamas each night, they're going to think and anticipate that they're going to be getting a party? Well, you know, what I'm more concerned about
1: is when my mum goes to pick them up, they're going to be in their pyjamas. <laughs> now, now, we walk to school and back. <laughs> so they oh. so have got a big, long coat. <laughs> Give them one of yours. It'll just smother them. No one will be able to see anything. So <laughs> the one thing I haven't prepped for is the pickup I can't even bear to bring up the conversation because it's been hard enough so far but my mum's going to turn up at school and they're going to be the fellas in their pajamas so I, I think it's going to be all out chaos but I've, I've put the details what they're going to do what they're going to take the date and then I've just I've just walked away I've just stepped away from the pajama party and Have they got good pajamas though
0: they got like little it's... like drawings on or cartoons or something. Well,
1: it's it's always ways it? as a parent you want them to take in the really nice pajamas, oh, they can't, yeah. yeah. And they don't. They want to take in the ones that are either too small for them, too big, really disgusting. Just just do you know what I mean? So already they're saying I want to wear these, and I'm like, do you really? Do you really but this
0: want? This is the point: is that pajamas are items of clothing that no one outside of your immediate family will ever see exactly so they're not to be seen let alone go to school in where you actually would like your children to look a little bit presentable exactly. I imagine which is why I'm
1: trying to steer them towards the really nice expensive pajamas and they just are veering back to these horrific either they've got minions or something on them and they don't no, fit minions are great. No, no, that's but they don't so cool they don't fit properly anymore we should have got rid of them ages ago but I didn't and now they want to take them in and so it's like they're gonna be it's like one of them going to be walking around school in like hot pants and they're meant to be trousers <laughs> just, and a crop top because they don't fit anymore so but I've just at some point you've got to step away and
0: and I'm stepping away oh is and this it they're going to learn the lesson on by well, themselves, no, I, just think,
1: I just think I've I've tried I'm not going to be here all the info's there and so I've just, got, I've just got to step away. <laughs> just, just let it happen. Like I know it, it, it's going to be fine. And look, we've got so much tennis to talk about. But one more random thing for you. You know we're doing the donkey soap ball bag challenge.
0: Oh, with, yes. your, with your it's face. quite a challenge. This might be the hardest <laughs> challenge of all time ever. No,
1: no, no. It's not going to be. Because I lent some of the donkey soap that my ski instructor gave me to a friend who is having skin problems with spots. I know it's different to a ball bag, but it's still... A, it's still <laughs> it falls it's under still... a different category, I think. <laughs> but it's still a, a skin... Shall we say issue or, or something? I don't want to. Call I don't it an think issue.
0: mine's an issue. I've got no issue with my skin. My skin is fine, thanks. It's just there's just too much of it. it was- <laughs> That's all there is. It's excessive. But all her spots have gone. Gone. Every single one. Wow. That is impressive. That's the donkey soap. Unfortunately, there's no sort of section for my for my type of skin. It's not an issue. I don't have any issues with my skin. <laughs> but when I walk, if you walk into those places like Kiehl's or something and you start talking to about your skin because you want products, there's no sort of, um, yeah, what's your range for excessive wrinkles slash ball bags There's, they, it doesn't exist no but we've got the answer donkey soap. no we haven't how do we know that because it's going to work I'm going
1: to I don't even know when I'm next going to see you but I'm getting you it cannot it, ca- it cannot reduce
0: the amount of skin that I it, have it can it can make it tighter no I've always maintained that I should have been like morbidly obese because I just have so much skin <laughs> that like I just I just should be fat like I, just, I really should be really <laughs> (laughs) really overweight just to fill it out you know okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what I was telling myself as I eat my Kit Kat I'm telling myself yes this is the way I was designed
1: (laughs) I am supposed to be like this it's not coming with me to Australia nothing's been packed yet but I'll make sure that doesn't go with me and I I have to say I, I think a week ago I wasn't we talked a lot about what is happening in Australia and it is terrible what's happening in Australia and I hadn't really thought about the tennis and I think the closer I'm getting now I'm starting to get Excited about the tennis once I get out there and everything that's been building up with the ATP Cup and the tournament and there's there's still so much going on out there. But I think now I'm I'm a little bit more focused on on the tennis and and everything's that's going to happen when I'm out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the ATP Cup was a pretty huge success. Everybody was well into it. We had a Rafa and Novak you know, standoff in the final. So that was, uh, you know, an excellent finish to to the event. Players seem to be very positive about it. and Yeah, I think uh, big tick as far as that is concerned. Um, Yeah, just, you know, just the conditions, isn't it? The Australian Open qualifying has started and they had a really rough day. They had a few players and ball kids and spectators struggling uh, with the conditions and a lot of questions flying around as to why they played. Um, when I think the advice given out by Melbourne City was just for the general public to limit time outside. I mean, let alone exerting yourself to being desperately out of breath, high heart rate, that sort of thing. I know the the horse racing was cancelled, of course. Don't want to damage the horses. They are worth an awful lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also, you know, the people playing at at the the Australian Open qualifying, they are people. So (laughs) they definitely (laughs) have some value. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, it's tough to know, isn't it? Because we don't know all of the details. But it seems like it was a rather silly day to be playing tennis at a professional level, especially when there are spare days between qualifying and the main draw starting, because if it rained, they couldn't play. If it was too hot, they can't play. So they have those days built in because they absolutely categorically need the tournament to start on time. That's just it. And it's the same at all the slams. So they just have extra days built in built in. It always rains in New York, oh, or it's too hot. I mean, it often rains for Wimbledon with the grass. That can be very difficult. But and Wimbledon actually starts a day earlier the qualifying so they have another day to (laughs) to make sure they get all of their matches done because the grass can be difficult and a bit more temperamental so yeah just a little bizarre that they didn't necessarily use that time do you know what I wouldn't want to go as far as to kind of criticize the decision um, because as I say I don't really know but what it seems like is that with that level of advice you know coming from uh, people who are supposed to know what's going on—it just seems a bit bizarre that they would have them playing in it, right? Yeah,
1: it's it's very difficult and a very delicate situation. But you talked about the horse racing um, being cancelled. We're dealing here with with elite. Athletes, these tennis players, they're giving it their all. I mean, look, you know, the exertion you put out, these people are qualifying. Some of their dreams could come true if they make it to the first round of a Grand Slam. And then they're finding themselves either unable to continue. I know that uh, Maria Sharapova's exhibition, the, the Kuyong Classic, that was stopped. Because it just got to the point where both of them were like, I can't do this. I think Eugenie Bouchard in Australian Open qualifying actually took a medical timeout for a sore chest and then came back and, and carried on. You have to think about that. I mean, the, you guys, these guys work so hard to get themselves to a level. And these conditions, I mean, some, some of the photos, it was... It was awful seeing some of the photos, and yes, as you mentioned, they actually the city of Melbourne sent out a message saying stay indoors, don't let your pets go outside, stay indoors, don't go outside. So it's, I, I, it's a very difficult thing for Tennis Australia. It's an outdoor tournament. They want it to be an outdoor tournament. They can make it an indoor tournament if they really needed to, but I, I guess they thought then, and they're dealing with experts, that it could go ahead. But it's a very difficult one to balance this because you've got people's health and safety. Mistake.
0: Yeah, and we also had um, Bernie Tomic uh, was given some sort of inhaler sort of thing because he was struggling with his breathing. Uh, Jakubovic, she had to withdraw. I mean, that was horrible watching that. She just couldn't breathe. She, her chest just totally closed in. I think she was pretty mad about it afterwards. She was winning as well. She was upset. And as you say, with these qualifiers, I think that the qualifiers in slams get disrespected. All the time. I don't think that they are treated. By just just in general everybody. I'm not really pointing the finger anywhere. As well as. As they should be, and when you watch that level of tennis, if you've been lucky enough to watch it, then you should know that it is such a high standard.
1: So, in what sense? In what sense do you think they're not respected enough in the qualifying?
0: Well, so you remember the Maria Sharapova debate when she was uh, coming back and she wanted to play in the French Open, and people were saying, you know, "Are they going to give her a wild card because she's been done for drugs? And do you give somebody like that a wild card or whatever?" And you know what? The, for me, the most common answer was ah stick her in qualifying. Just give her a while cut into qualifying. You just think, well, why? It, it, it's just such a disrespectful sort of like, yeah, chuck her in qualifying. We also have loads of rules tested now in qualifying. I mean this is these are grand slams. These are the biggest tournaments. Why not test them at the smaller tour events, for example, or maybe the challenges. I don't I don't know. That seems really crazy to me. And um it's constant. I mean I remember um when I played once at the Australian Open, um, it was the year that uh, Janina Wickmire, who uh, you know I know very well, and Xavier Malisse, they had um, uh, missed some tests in the off season some doping tests, and anyway they'd been suspended, and they weren't allowed to enter the Australian Open, so they missed the deadline. Uh, Janina Wickmire was 11 in the world at the time, you know, number 11 in the world, um, and Zav was I don't know 30 or something, and. So they weren't allowed to enter. Uh, And then what happened was the ban got lifted. So they couldn't put them in the main draw because you can't take somebody out of the main draw. But they could just put them in qualifying. So, I mean, of course, I played against her. So for me, my second round Australian Open qualifying, and bear in mind, the year before that, I didn't go to Australian Open qualifying because I couldn't afford it. So this year, you know, I I go, and then I'm playing the number 11 in the world. And she ended up actually reaching the quarterfinals of of the tournament so I don't under you know I don't mind the fact that you know you got to try and find a way but sometimes I feel like that group of player gets a bit uh, disrespected
1: if you had been out there if you were out there with these conditions would you have would you have gone ahead and played would you have felt you had to or would you have made a stand and say you know what this for my health is not
0: something i can do well this is one of the things that for me is a very difficult part of being a tennis player now everything is your responsibility as as an individual and that's just it um and this this covers a huge amount of rules so whether the court is too slippery anything that you think is dangerous if they say no it's fine you've got to play then your choice is to play or pull out. That's that's it. So either you withdraw and you take the penalties and you don't get to play the tournament or you play, get injured or ill because of the conditions and then that, again, that's still your fault because you chose to play. There is absolutely no responsibility from any tournament or any governing body. So I've had issues when the court was just too slippery. It started raining, the lines are too slippery. Umpire comes down and says, it's fine and it's absolutely not fine. And I actually remember saying one time, no, no, I'm more concerned about my opponent because I'm just about to serve and I'm just going to be swinging my lefty serve right into the fence. They've got no chance of recovering without falling over right out on the side. And, um, you, you know, and you just get told either play or pull out. And then, you know, and I've had one situation where I did turn around and say, fine, I will pull out then because it was pre-US Open. And I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm not going to jeopardize my grand slam I was in qualifying of the US Open and I just thought this is way too slippery for me I didn't even think it was borderline I thought it was way too wet and way too slippery Uh, and basically so I said fine I'll pull out so then the supervisor came on we had a little bit of to and fro and anyway long and short of it was it took about six or seven minutes to resolve and the resolution was it really started raining so (laughs) play was suspended anyway (laughs) Um, so I just about kept it going long enough for that but whether the grass court's too slippery uh, you know, I remember playing um, a match on grass when I thought it was far too slippery. Um, I think that was at Edgbaston. But, you know, I just carried on playing, but it just meant that I didn't really move. I couldn't really run um, because my end of the court was where the trees were over the top. So it, you just you have this situation where it's just your responsibility. U- ultimately, they say you've got to play. And you know, all of the players are faced with: well, we either play and potentially are in a difficult situation, or we pull out. And will you get fined if you pull out? Uh I don't know. It depends on the the circumstances. I think if you pull out, well, no, I don't know actually. If you pull out before the match, because you ultimately need a medical, but you wouldn't have one because you just be ref- you're just refusing to play. Ultimately, aren't you? I don't know. I think it's very difficult. But this is a rule. This goes all the way to the top. And we often see some of the players at the top of the game, they're not particularly happy with the conditions that they're having to play in. It's a tough one, isn't it? With the situation as it is
1: in Melbourne right now and the qualifying competition, as we touched on earlier, this could change a player's life. They come through qualifying, they go on this dream run, they get into the main draw, maybe it's their home slam. They want to give it every opportunity, but at the same time as... As we've seen, some players haven't been able to get through it because conditions have been so difficult. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's really tough for the players. I also do think it's a challenge and it's difficult for the organisers as well. It's, uh, it, it's a difficult situation, but as you said, they do have extra days. And I did have a look at the weather forecast. And we know that Melbourne is a city where you have four seasons. I mean, I've never been somewhere where I go to work in 40 degrees and I come home in like 10 degrees. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense you know, that you're that you're going to work and you arrive at work and you're dripping wet and sweat because it's so hot, and then you walk home and you're absolutely freezing cold because of the temperature drop. But the good news is that I've seen thunderstorms and I've seen rain in the forecast, and and hopefully that is going to do something to help the situation for everything that's going on in Australia at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, you were saying about the the qualifiers and how this could make or break their career. I mean, this actually is what sustains their year, their career, these Grand Slams. They can't do it without the money that they get from the Grand Slam qualifying because it is astronomical in comparison. And reaching second round or third round means that they can continue to travel for another four months that's what it means, or three months, or whatever it is, you get to the next slam, and try and pick up a decent check again there, I mean, if you can qualify for the main draw, then yeah, that would totally make, um, you know, a huge difference to your year, but I just think that we should spare a thought for the players, because they are back in the locker rooms, being told, okay, yep, ready to play in 45 minutes, and they're going, what, are you crazy, we can't, I don't want to play in that, like, I've I don't. I don't want to play in that. I can't play in that. That's dangerous. And they're saying, "Yep, yeah, no, we've tested it. It's fine." And you're going, "How is it fine?" Everybody's saying it's not fine. I can see that it's not fine. <laughs> and and you have to understand that there will be hundreds of players having that conversation and having to make the decision as to whether they go on court or whether they don't or whether they go and pull out or or whatever. And it seems like everybody decided and the trouble is is that you trust the tournament right you trust you go okay well if you must have gone through the rigorous testing and you must be 100 percent convinced that this will not damage me in any way um and unfortunately i don't believe that's the case from what we've seen with people collapsing and not being able to breathe properly so um yeah that's that's it they they've obviously trusted them gone out and played and the players are the ones that suffer the consequences
1: would it make a difference or does it need one of the, the superstars of the game who have been practising on the main show courts to maybe walk off and say, I can't even practise in this because it's so difficult. And then maybe that would create a little wave to make something happen.
0: You look, it's it's a very difficult and uh, and horrendous situation. And as I say, you know, look, it is only tennis. But I mean, it would be awful if anybody had any sort of long term effects from this. I mean, as i say it's one thing being out and about and breathing in but to actually be physically exerting yourself and deep breathing as deeply as you possibly can for hours and hours at a time um, that's very different and i would imagine as i say i'm just guessing but i imagine you could do some uh, pretty significant damage in in that sense so yeah i just let's just hope that things improve (laughs)
1: Now, in last week's pod, we were having our Serena Williams discussion in terms of will she equal? Will she break Margaret Court's record in 2020? Now, you believe it will happen. I said I didn't believe it would happen. I think I still stand by that. But things do seem to be looking better with Serena Williams. And and I know it's it's not the type of challenge in a Grand Slam final that she will face or anywhere near that. But what perfect preparations for Serena Williams to coming into the Australian Open, win her first title since,
0: what, January 2017 in Australia? Yeah, I mean, it's great. Nice for her to lift the trophy. I saw it on the news. It was a big deal. First title since becoming a mum. It's been a long and winding road. And of course, it's, you know, if you you know the level of tournament and the level of opponent, then uh, you understand that... If she had played this level of tournament over the past couple of years, she also would have won this level of tournament a number of times. So it's not like there's been a wait for her to win this type of tournament. And I think it just kind of falls in and backs up a little bit what I was saying last week about how in the slams, often there's just one or two people who are better than her. Actually, on the whole, just one. And anything else, she can do. She's been in plenty of finals. And I anticipate that she will be in many, many more. Didn't
1: win the doubles. Played with Caroline Wozniaki That was the the friendship thing, coming together and sadly they didn't make it to the end. But it, it's really great to see them playing together. We know that Caroline Wozniaki is going to be unseeded in Australia we'll look to go out on the highest of highs
0: and also we're not going to have bianca andriescu which is which is a real shame it is you know i mean look firstly with Wozniaki i part of me really wants australian open to hurry up and get here um because i'm i'm excited and i'm looking forward to it but also just i really don't want it to be over because then caroline Wozniaki is over her career is over as a professional player and that's Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm gutted about it. Whenever I think about it, I think it's um it, it's such a shame, but uh, you know, all good things come to an end. What was the other question? I can't remember. <laughs> Deary me, your memory's getting worse. Bad, uh, Bianca
1: it? Bianca Andreescu oh. in the knee, it is not she is practicing in Canada, but she is not quite ready. She wasn't able
0: to compete at the Australian Open. Yeah, so I mean, look, she clearly has an issue with get, keeping her body in shape. Um, Is that a worry for you that in her short career she's had so many problems with the body? No. Do you know what? I think this just comes down to her willpower. I mean, I've never seen anyone playing matches with that level of willpower, with the exception of Serena and Maria. Those are the two that you could compare her to. It is extraordinary. And actually, I just think that she's been mentally ready to be... The best player in the world her game has been ready to be the best player in the world but her body just has not been she's young it you know this is a completely new i mean this time last year she was nowhere near doing what she's <laughs> doing it was it's it's been absolutely bonkers and it, i mean it is a worry that she has had so many injuries i suppose but i just think that what she's demanded of her body um, has, has almost it's just been too much for it and that's why it's broken down so I'm, I'm sure that her body will get more and more used to the level that, that she's at because normally you have players who are physically ready their game is ready but they're not mentally ready so I could say a Kazakina for example so I know that she was held back a little bit by her team for about six months even though she was ready her game was ready and she was physically ready for WTA events but mentally they were like she's not ready She needs to wait. And actually, I think that that maybe is an issue going on with her as well since she's got to the WTA tour. But Andrescu, completely different. Out of those three areas, it's been the physical side. So, But you know what? The good news is that is the biggest area that is within your control. You can completely sort that out but can can you completely sort that out because we look at
1: players like Kane Nishikori for instance there always seems to be something with the body that breaks down and I know with Nishikori over the years there's been talk about the, the mental side of things when he came back from the wrist and and he was told that you're not going to damage the wrist it's it's in the head you have to forget about it and, and get out there but it, it does feel there are players and I'll use Nishikori again as the example whose bodies are so fragile that they're not up to the rigors of the tour
0: Yeah, and and that's true. I would say that Andrescu's injuries have been more sort of uh, I don't know. It's not that her body's breaking down. It's it's more under strain. I, I just feel like it's much more about just. Getting used to it. Um, whereas some people get injured because of their technique. So you look at Nishikori, he has an extreme grip on his forehand. It's more extreme than people realize because it's way more extreme than, say, Rafa's, for example. Okay, Rafa gets more spin, but you know, so the pressure on his wrist and He's had a lot of wrist problems on that wrist for a long time. So, and of course, I know he's had other bits and pieces and you've got Del Potro who, you know, seems like he just does a curtsy and his knee just decides to snap.
1: I cannot imagine Del Potro doing a curtsy. I'm just thinking about <laughs> all the people you could have mentioned, I could maybe imagine Nishikro doing a curtsy. Del Potro doing a curtsy. I don't even know what that would look like.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Um. And you know, you get players that have Oh, you're just moving straight on from that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I thought it was a great image. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and can I and can I throw in Milos Raonic? Let's throw in another one whose whose body just does not play
0: ball. Yes. Um uh, I personally think, look, I'm not a physio. I'm not basing this on anything. This is just a gut feeling, okay? Loose facts, once again, bringing them in. <laughs>
1: Here we go. We need like a, a sting yeah. or a noise. <laughs> a siren. <laughs> when, you're, when Yeah, when
0: your loose facts are coming in. <laughs> I think that when you look at Nishik- Nishikori, I think is to do with the technique and the way that he plays the game. Um, I think that Del Potro and Raonic have... Possibly fundamental issues with their body frame in terms of they are so tall, and if you are not really well proportioned, incredibly balanced in your body, I mean that the strain is absolutely huge. And then of course you've got the people who are later on in their career. I mean obviously they're about the same age, but they haven't had injuries until later on in their career. Um, you know somebody like an Andy Murray or whatever. I mean it's just wear and tear, isn't it? Like that's all. Injuries always, always going to be a part of it, and I think that. Andrescu has just forced herself... I mean, we've watched her play matches where she's been cramping and she just... The willpower is just ridiculous. (laughs) And she's down in matches and she just wants it so badly and she will just force her body to do stuff. And that... Um, is a little bit of an issue I also think she's probably being a bit cautious because she came back too early with the shoulder when she came back for the French Open and she won a match and then she had to pull out Uh, and then that meant she missed another big chunk of uh, of the year so I'm sure she's uh, gutted about it but um, hopefully they're managing it better but I don't believe that she's going to end up being somebody who is always injured
1: Unseeded players in Melbourne, just to give you a few names here, Raunic, Chilich, Vadasco, Wozniacki, Muguruza, Gurgis, Venus Williams if she plays, ostapenko's is now working with Marion Bartley, Kuznetsova, Sam Stoza. But on the men's side, having just looked at the women's, is Novak Djokovic far and away the person to beat in Melbourne over the two weeks?
0: Yeah. I think so. I don't think anything's massively changed, has it?
1: Did you, were you, the, the Djokovic-Nadal, did that surprise you? Did it go to plan? If you're a Rafa fan, were you worried with that? Did you take the positives from that? Where do you sit? Because that, that is a
0: big meeting this early in the season. It is, you know, and uh, yeah, boy, they went at it, didn't they? The, the the whole tournament, the whole week, they were trying to summon up as, as much as possible. Um I, I look. I never think there's an issue. There's any reason to be concerned if you're a Rafa fan or a Novak fan, even if they play poorly for a few weeks or whatever. They are so experienced. There's never any concern of kind of, oh, is this it? Have they forgotten how to play tennis now? No, it, they'll be fine. <laughs> it's not a big deal. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's Djokovic, Nadal, and I, but I what I would say for 2020, Federer in number three has been displaced. I know he hasn't actually, but. Uh, In terms of the top three favourites, got to be putting in Daniel Medvedev there. I think that they are the three to beat. Then you have a little gap and then another chunk, which I would put Federer in. I would put Tsitsipas in and team. And then you got everybody else who doesn't stand a chance. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> uh, there we go then. Um, it, it depends if Sits Pass is not sort of throwing rackets and and damaging his father and being told off by his mother. <laughs> <gasps> Did you? See? That was amazing. It was like the. It was like a soap opera all played out in. One. I just. just love <laughs> Oh I was gosh. just I mean obviously that you know, the red miss came down and he smacks his racket and he clips his dad, his dagger, edges. it's just but when his mum just came down to the front, I loved it. I mean they're a very close family, that they, they travel together, but it's when she just came and started telling
0: him off. I just thought I wish I wish she'd come all the way down and just like grabbed him by the ear or something. <laughs> and he went like way! you hit your father how dare you i just that sort of stuff. i mean it
1: was brilliant wasn't it It was. Um, it was i mean it wasn't brilliant because he, he shouldn't have been that angry and and obviously he didn't mean to injure his father but the way his mother just came down i mean the atp cup boy did that stir up emotions i mean medvedev did his i'm the bad guy no one's gonna like me oh look everyone loves me now because he can just do that on court we had the the chair umpires getting involved with situations that were taking place. We had Diego Schwarzman saying to Daniel Medvedev at the net, look, you're a great player, but you need to work on yourself as a person because you're very disrespectful
0: on court. I mean, it, it all seemed to be happening during the ATP Cup. I tell you what, Medvedev is the character that Djokovic should have taken on. Ten years ago, hundred percent. Because everybody loves a villain. Like everybody loves the that you know. Yes, you're going to have people who have Federer and Nadal, but but Djokovic. Look, he's a very nice man. He definitely comes across that way. I don't know him personally, but he definitely comes across that he is nice and he does an awful lot for kids and charities and all this sort of stuff. Of course, he does. But he could just not tell anyone that. He could just. I don't know, because when he's on court, he does come across a little bit more of the villain. Come on, he ruined the Federer-Nadal party. How dare you? Now he's going to win more slams than Federer. How dare you? He also has a bit more attitude about him, a bit more grumbling and complaining and, and that sort of stuff as a, in comparison to, say, Rafa and Roger, who have always just kind of got on with it. And it, I think it would have been brilliant. I think Medvedev is showing how that character... It's a great character to play because, again, yeah, he's got a little bit of that in him, hasn't he? He's got a bit of spite that is driving him. Um, but also, he's probably quite a nice guy to the people that know him. And he just thinks, well, I'm just on the tennis court, whatever. Maybe similar to Andy Murray. But I think that's exactly what Djokovic should have done back in the day. I think he would have wrapped that up. I mean, you don't want
1: you don't want people being disrespectful. And it's probably now Medvedev working out where that level is. Because early in his career, he did get into trouble and you look at him on court and think, wow, this this fella's dealing with some issues. And then he seemed to go completely the other way to the point where he wouldn't even celebrate. And he was winning massive matches and he was winning titles and he wasn't celebrating. You're thinking, OK, is everything OK here? But then you'd see the little glances to his box and the little sort of sarcastic gestures. And then obviously we saw in, in, in New York he can be the bad guy. And it, it just feels he's just got to get that balance. I mean, who would have thought a year ago, this time last year, you were not saying, I think Daniel is going to be one of the new breed who's going to win a Grand Slam. Now you're putting him third on the list to do it. I guess he's just got to be careful because you don't start, I mean, Diego Schwartzman, nicest man in the world, nicest man in the world, along with Davidoffa. But Diego Schwartzman saying to him, you are very disrespectful on a tennis court. You need to work, I guess, oh, look, maybe he doesn't care. We had that Eugenie Bouchard spent ages and Maria over to a degree saying no, I don't care if people don't like me I don't want to make friends on the tour how how true that is or not I don't know I mean I don't think I'd like to walk into a locker room thinking that everyone hated me uh so I you know I don't know how true that is but I guess Medvedev has got to be a little bit careful I the, the villain is good and it probably brings out that little bit extra in his game but he he doesn't want to take it too far to the point where, so with Nick Kyrgios, it doesn't feel like largely, not everyone, but largely the players are the ones that are annoyed with him. It tends to be the officials and maybe other people, whereas
0: Medvedev, he seems to be getting under the skin of his opponents. Well, see, Kyrgios is a strange one because all the players love him. Like they all think he's like the nicest. Well, I mean, there's a couple of exceptions. Yeah, there's a couple of exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just in general, you know, like it's in in general, people speak very highly of him, and it seems like actually, in terms of the public, most people quite like him. I think he puts bums on seats. Everybody wants to watch it, and I think that's all cool. I think it's us lot that have the issue. It's the press. It's the media that really get the bee in the bonnet about how dare he act like this and that sort of... I don't really hear it from anybody else. Okay, you get some people's being like, pff, you know, what a waste of talent or what a joker or whatever. But I've never I've never heard a fan of tennis be as negative towards Kyrgios as I think that the majority of our colleagues can be. Um, which is why I always yeah, find it a little bit odd because I don't think it necessarily reflects what people generally think but But then when it comes to Medvedev I'm not hearing that from the press but you're starting to hear it from some of his colleagues from the players yes exactly so it's but then you know maybe he will be a Bouchard or Sharapova and I don't think he's gonna care I mean the Russian guys always like him look he's got Marat on his side now as well so that's nice (laughs) and um, yeah I I don't I don't really see why you have to be super respectful all the time. I don't, I don't see why you do. You, we're in a very, it's an unbelievably high stress environment. It is a complete pressure cooker. And in all other sports, we really do accept people going over the line. It's just, it's much easier in team sports because you can send people off and then they get replaced. Whereas if you send Medvedev off, the match is over. There's nothing left to watch. <laughs> it's, I don't, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really see it as a big
1: deal. I think it's a tough one. And look, you've played, you've been out there, you've you've been in those situations when, I don't know, maybe you want to win more than anything. Maybe you don't really like the person that's the other side of the net. And in, in my life, maybe if I don't like someone or whatever, I can avoid them or walk away. Whereas you've got to face them across the net for, I don't know, an hour, two hours, whatever it is. So maybe it's it's hard to be... 100% respectful the whole time, but I just, I, I don't know. And as you say, maybe he doesn't care and he's got, there's a good group with with Hishanov and Rublev. Rublev doing wonders, already a title winner, we should say this year, doing wonders. And Marit Safin, who is the, the boss of the ATP Cup, maybe he doesn't mind. He's got his wife who travels with him. He's got a close coaching team, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite startling when you get the likes of Diego Schwartzman saying, you know, you, you've got to work and maybe it's not his place to say it, but you've got to work on yourself as a person because you're too disrespectful. It, it, it's going to be really interesting the first few months. And if we get, I really want Medvedev-Jokovic to be on opposite sides of the draw. I don't want them to be anywhere near each other because I think it's weird, isn't it? Years gone by, you want, you want the Federer-Nadal, Federer-Jokovic, Djokovic-Nadal final. I would love it to be djokovic Mevedev in the final
0: in Australia. Yeah, it could be a really nice rivalry brewing. It's not going to last as long as the other rivalries just because of age. But, I mean, yeah, that would be great. If you offered me that now, Djokovic, Medvedev in the final, I'd snap your hand off, say, ticket, please. I'm flying down. Sneak me into your suitcase. Oh, lovely. Yeah, nice. Great. No room for any. Don't worry about packing.
1: My suitcases are always <laughs> over there. I'm always terrified when I go to the airport because I know I've got more than I'm allowed. And I'm kind of praying that, I don't know, the flight's not that full or they'll let me get away with it. And when they say, put your bag on the scales, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then every single time, every single time they put that sticker on, you know, that tag that says, heavy bag, they be a big red yeah. sticker that every single time. And a couple of times I've actually had to pay or they've said, can you take stuff out of it? I, I, it is not possible not to go over the limit. It's crazy. I just, I've never done it. Never well, not I don't it. think
0: I've ever reached the limit ever on any of my travels. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How not? Yeah, I'm normally about 15, 16 kilos. <gasps> that's... Yeah, that's about it. Oh. But also I'm, ve- oh. because when I was playing and I was traveling a couple of times a week, I, uh, I got so good at just, I could just feel the weight of my bag just by kind of h- holding it, really? just picking it up. Well, yeah. Also we do a lot of weight training as well. So, you know, kind of what weights are and I could just pick it up and I could just go 15. It's fine. What are you doing tomorrow night? Could you drive over and just pick up,
1: <laughs> <laughs> could you drive over and pick up my suitcase? Because it's like, it's got rocks in it. And every time I say to myself, not this time, it's okay, not this time. And each time, it's it's heavy. Like you know, maybe taxi driver or ev- people are like, what have you got
0: in here? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, always. It's always too heavy. Always. Yeah. Um. I don't. I, I, I. can't think of a time where I've been too heavy. Even on like budget flights, just. So you know, I need to fly with you and put half my stuff in your case. Yeah, that's normally what I do. Everywhere I go, I offer. It's the same now. Even when I'm traveling, oh. I went to Shanghai. On my way back from Shanghai, I was like, guys, I've got loads of room. I've got about 10 kilos if anybody wants it. So it's amazing. I just yeah. don't understand. That's absolutely incredible. I think the biggest thing is I don't bring many shoes. They tend to be quite heavy. I don't. No, I don't. You no, know, I have a pair of runners, which I'll probably be wearing on the way anyway, yep. and a pair of casual shoes, and that's it. Some people do bring like a good few pairs of shoes. No, I'm
1: not a shoe person. I don't know what it is. I'm definitely not a shoe person. I, I do take mm. things like shampoo and stuff, and people are like, you can buy it. In Australia. Oh, well, that no, I'm not. that's just
0: stupid. Come on.
1: <laughs> but I just... Well, then I've got it, right? Then it's there. But everyone's like, you can buy it in Australia. They do sell it. And I'm like, yeah, they probably do. <laughs> and I said... <laughs> well, you're going to be full of donkey
0: soap this time. Uh, well,
1: if I've got any left. I mean, <laughs> the donkey soap isn't high. My friend actually said... What do I what do I have to do to get some more? Like, do I have to go find a donkey? And I said, no, they do sell it. I mean, it's a it's a thing. Um, such as she really wants some now. Predictions, uh, winners for the Australian Open.
0: It's a good time to do that, isn't it? Oh, do you know what? I'm just gonna have a little look at my notes because I've, I I worked Ooh, on my okay. ATP radio predictions Did, i haven't looked at they're that. not sorted i haven't, I haven't
1: looked so at yet. you know the one disappointment was the question the breakthrough player they have to come from outside a hundred in the world uh, this is obviously the atp i looked at that question briefly
0: i thought great i'll go for kevin anderson because He's 125, and then you, but I don't understand no. what you're not understanding about breakthrough. Can I just say to the <laughs> listeners, right? Breakthrough player of the year last year was somebody coming from outside 100, okay? And you picked Jack Sock. He's now got no ranking. <laughs> <He did well. laughs> you should have got minus points for that. It's the worst breakthrough player ever. <laughs> he ended up with no ranking at the end of the year, but um. No, but it, but it's obvious. It has to be somebody who's not been in the top a, 100 no, before. Uh, Otherwise, you've uh, no. got Andy Murray you could use as
1: well. Del Potro, when he's not curtsying to people. He, <laughs> well, he might <laughs> to stop curtsying and fracturing his knee. But then our boss on ATP 10 Radio sent another email, probably thinking where my mind was headed, and said, by the way, it cannot be someone who's been in the top 100 before. Yeah, I think he was thinking of Chung, wasn't he? So you can't pick Chung. And I was I was thinking, well, I wasn't going to pick Chung. I was going to pick Grand Slam finalist, Kevin Anderson. So, yeah, sorry. Have you found your predictions? Right.
0: Come on then. Well, yeah. Well, it's you know, Unfortunately, I did go with Novak Djokovic for the Australian. Open. No, no I, th- I think that's a safe bet. I'm, I, I'm the I same. Mean, this is not confirmed yet. I've not sent them in because we need to send them to you for when you get there, right? Yeah. Is that it? So, yeah. you land on Thursday. Uh, you need to have them on Thursday.
1: Uh, I take off on Thursday. Oh. Yeah. Friday.
0: Oh well, that gives me more time then.
1: So no, but for this podcast, I need your 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 winners, please. You can't change them.
0: Oh well, that's it. Oh, Djokovic. Oh yeah, and uh, women. Are you going to
1: do it? Are you going to do it? Wait, what are you doing for the men? Djokovic, hundred uh, percent. I just think the way he's started playing. And are you going to do it for the women's? Are you going to do it? Are you? Hang on, give me a second. Oh, you're thinking about it.
0: I am going to do it. Are you going to do it, Serena yes. Williams? There we yes. go. <laughs> Lock it in, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I, you know what? I think I would have gone Andreescu, randomly. Yep. I'm going to go... How's that random? She doesn't know how to lose. Yeah, I know,
0: but, but I think I'm going... Tell you what, I was I watching Brisbane last week and Pliskova played an amazing match against Osaka. It was incredible, the standard. I still worry about Pliskova. I think she's edging closer. I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, d- I would I do, be surprised if Osaka do. wins because she faded in that final set against Pliskova. Really, she did. Totally went away, which was such a shame. But she's got the
1: Grand Slam steal. Whereas it was different to Pliskova. A, she's won Grand Slams. And B, there's just something about
0: getting into the grand slam and she just rises to it uh, it's just no, I thought, she's she's mm. edging in the right direction she's got danny valverde on board I, i'm not saying she's going to win it but I, I would not be shocked if she did if she did so you're going serena williams yes
1: now my heart always wants to go halop just love halop yeah um, Well, she started winning them now you know she won mm. one and then she added second i just don't think it's going to be halop though but can i have two <laughs> no um well, what are your two Okay I'll have a heart and a head. I my heart will be Hallep and my head will be Osaka. Oh you would pick Osaka would you? Oh no, yeah. I, no I don't know. She a good she, she knows what to do but she can do it. She she knows what she oh, can no. win seven matches in two weeks. She can do it. But Serena can do it. She's done it more than anybody else. But it's a big part of the battle uh and leaving Serena Williams aside because she's done it 23 times. A big part of the battle is knowing how to win it. Sark has done that, and she's done that more than once. And Wiimp set in her corner so much experience I just she, she, it's there, she knows what to do and she gets into those situations. she's been there before, so I'm
0: going to go with I'm going to go with the muscle memory of that, I think. She is definitely in a much better place than she was, say US open time. She's playing far better, looking much more confident. But uh, I feel like we should continue this conversation. Her. It's probably going to get a bit dull for our people. But Can
1: uh, I can I tell you, I know you have to go, but can I tell you um, a random but quite funny thing that has nothing to do with tennis before we go? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got about 30 seconds. Okay, I'll make it quick. My friend at the moment is having some builders in to do some work on her house. She just bought a new house. so I know you're in the, the midst of moving and buying. So she's got the builders in. So the builders came round and there's mess everywhere. Things haven't been unpacked. And she said, would you like a cup of tea? And the builder said, yes, because I'd love a cup of tea. So she, she reaches into the cup. There's only one mug left and it's a mug that's got a horse on the front, like a picture of a horse. So she was like, there's a mug. To put the horse in. So she makes the cup of tea. But as she fills it up with hot water, the horse becomes a unicorn. Okay, oh, so nice. the horse no, the horse turns into unicorn <laughs> and words appear on the mug as she's handing it to the builder that say, You make me horny <laughs> <laughs> That is great. So, that was so, worth the thirty seconds. <laughs> so as she's handing the mug to him, the words are just appearing on the mug through the hot water as he's looking at it and he, as it comes towards him it just says you make me horny well, <laughs> and did that to come back well apparently he was so embarrassed and he didn't know what to say and she just smiled and went okay okay bye there if you need me just call <laughs> sorry it it was random but it did make me smile right oh well, that was great thank you for that Can leave on a high <laughs> note <laughs> and you're off to play tennis talk tennis do tennis yeah.
0: I, uh, I'm off to play tennis. Um, yeah, getting my whites on because I'm heading to Wimbledon. Oh, You'll be at one slam, I'll be at another one.
1: We lead very different lives, don't we? It's very glamorous it's
0: in your it's world. Lovely, I'm not going to lie. I'm off to do school pickup. There we go. <laughs> Great. Well, start packing, enjoy your flight, and I'll speak to you in Oz. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. Bye. Bye.